We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to the True Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Widrington, and I'm delighted to be joined by True Faith regulars Norman Riley and Cy Campbell. How are you doing, lads? Not bad, not bad. Very well, um, other than obviously yesterday's match, which we're going to talk about, so that probably ruined me, me nice Sunday morning mood. Well, let's 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 see if we can try and find some positives, shall we? Um, as ever, we are sponsored by FansBet, um, one of the more ethical betting companies out there who give back 50% of uh, any profits back to fan causes. So please don't start or resume your betting career on our behalf, but if you already enjoy a flutter, please go and check out FansBet um, and see what they're all about. We're also... Um, very grateful to our wonderful patrons um, who subscribe to loads of um, Newcastle podcasts every single week. Um, it works out at about £6.50 uh, a month um, if you, when you subscribe through Patreon and you get an absolute, you get a shed load of content. Absolute shed load of content. We're at every single game and we will give you um, reaction from the front line of all those crucial Premier League games and the running to the end of the season as well and beyond. So please, if you enjoy the free podcast, please do check us out on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash TF podcast. Anyway, without further ado, let's crack on. We were unfortunately beaten yesterday by Crystal Palace. 1-0, uh, the final result. We went down to a Milivojevic Penalty, um, a very cliched Milivojevic penalty, is 10th of the season. Um, but let's sort of get into it. Um, Norman, I'll start with you. Was 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 yesterday just just one of those games where basically you get kind of championship managed, like you absolutely kind of dominate, and then you, you basically lose the game off off of their off the opposition's only shot on target. Is is this kind of is this just one of those things, or is this kind of Problem, you know, is it a wider problem that's sort of symptomatic of you know whatever the, the tactics or team selection have been um, in those games? It's it's both, isn't it? Um, I mean, I, I, you know, obviously, I, I was I wasn't there yesterday, so I didn't get to see it in the flesh. Um, but based on what I've what I've watched, what I've read, um, I mean, and especially what I've watched, um, we quite feasibly could have been four goals up before half time. Um, the chances, you know, the Rondon offside was marginal. It was offside, but it was minuscule. Um, 
the Richie drive that was saved at the um, at the near post. Uh, Yedlin's cross, uh, Rondon's header was just poor, which is very unlike him. Um, Rondon had another chance just before half time that the keeper got down and saved. Um, you then had, uh, you know, for, I think it was a Lejeune cross field pass. Yedlin kind of headed it across the box and Rondon missed it. I mean, we could quite feasibly, feasibly have been um, four up at half time. Just after half time, you've got another great ball in by um, Lejeune. Perez, a shot comes off Tompkins. Tompkins, you know, that, that deflects in, in, to a certain extent. It's almost like Perez put too much power on it. And it, it hit Tompkins with such force that it, it flew over the bar. If, that's, if that doesn't have as much force on it, there's every chance it deflects in the net. Um, and, and this was before Palace had even created a chance. So, yes, very unlucky. Rondon had a huge off day. Um, their goalkeeper is your kind of standard um, keeper who gets a load of criticism because he can't catch he doesn't come off his lane but certain keepers like that the brilliant shot stoppers and he he was yesterday his shot stop was fantastic and you know his shot stop was good but equally our finishing was was pretty poor um in but the big the big change for me what what I've what I've seen um what I've perceived from from reading reports is is Lejeune going off Lejeune going off just through us because we rather than bring on let's see a Shelby and shift to four at the back and four in the middle and now I'm as I say I'm, I'm not I'm not saying that Rafa Benitez got it wrong because, I mean, you know, my, my coaching career compared to his, I mean, you know, there's not really a comparison, is there? I mean, I, I was on Championship Manager for a bit. I did well. I did well, did well yeah. with Rafa once on there, I remember. But, um, so, so I think the, the issue is that we just, we just didn't have, a, you know, we, we stuck with that formation, but we just didn't have a player who could come on and replace Lejeune and that, that made a huge, that made a huge difference, not only from an attacking point of view, because Lejeune is just a beautiful footballer, but also defensive point of view, he's, he's an absolutely superb defender. And you look at that Zaha run in the idiotic challenge by Yedlin. You know that the, the space that opened up for Palace um, for that Zaha penalty. You think if Lejeune's on the pitch, there's maybe one or two of those runners aren't on kind of um, distracting other players. And it was just a yeah a bit a mixture of bad day at the office and not having the personnel to replace an outstanding footballer. That's, that's fair enough, Norman, and we'll get onto a couple of, we'll, we'll sort of delve a bit more into a couple of the points that you've made there a little bit later in the pod. Uh, but to, to, just to come to you, Si, you know, how how did you see it? Were you, are you as sort of, are you looking at it as positively as, as Norman is there? Or do you think, are you, are you, do you think there was major problems with, with, with how we set up and tactically yesterday? Um, I'm going to give a, a similar, a bit of both answer as, as Norman. Um, for me, it's it's a weird one because watching back the highlights this morning, it does paint a bit of a picture of a, of a smash and grab from, from Crystal Palace. Um, uh, Norman's listed all of our chances and there were good chances and on another day we might have scored and I think if we'd scored the first goal we would have won that game comfortably. However, um, being there, uh, certainly me and Mickey felt as that, as that game wore on, it was just a really, really tepid performance from Newcastle and yes we had the better of it yes we pretty much controlled the game just but it was a it was a terrible game if, if that was the kind of the way it was so um, I think we were tactically negative I think we were kind of giving them too much respect yes Zaha's a threat yes uh, Malevich good midfielder um, I would even say Schlup and Batshuayi were, were dangerous but they didn't have a shot. They didn't really do anything. I mean, it was it's a it's a terrible, stupid challenge to give them a penalty. They weren't going to score otherwise, and for that reason, I think we could have been a bit more adventurous, especially given that you know we're a good seven or eight points clear of Cardiff. There's no real danger of us slipping at the relegation zone. A game like this was there just for us to have a bit of a go, try and play it a bit differently. So I think it's a 
It's a bit of both. It's a chance missed to try and be a bit more adventurous, a bit more positive at home. I understand why we're sticking with the tactics. I understand that, especially with, with Cher and Lejeune available again, I had no problems with putting them back in as the as that three-man defence. But I think, for me, what it comes down to is is the full-backs. And we, we don't have... Richie and Yedlin aren't good enough to, to do that box-to-box wing-back role. Um, Richie ends up playing in his own half. Yedlin's not really... When he gets to be fair, all of our chances came from the the odd occasion when Richie and Yedlin got to their box, got into their half, and supported the attack. It didn't happen often enough, and we ended up playing a five man defence. And I think that's we've we've been punished for not really taking the game to them. And whilst I think it was an unlucky defeat, and on any other day, you know, Dubravka hasn't had to make a save, and we've given them a, 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 the softest penalty you could possibly give them, and and given them all three points, but. Yeah, um, I still think we, we shouldn't have been in that position if we'd been a bit more positive because we, we are better than them and we, we should be winning these games. No, I, t- I take your points on board there, Si, and to be honest, the way I, I see it is is I, I, I genuinely think we, we did very little wrong yesterday. You know, we the mm-hmm. tactics that we had, regardless of how many we had at the back, we were able to create 80, have 18 attempts against, you know, Crystal Palace do have, you know, they have a top they have a top half defence in terms of how many they've conceded. We also have a top half defence as well, where we have the we have the joint eighth best defence in, in the league. Which, considering how much we spent on our defence and how you know poor we've done kind of otherwise and how underinvested we are, you know that's that's nothing to shirk. That, that that's that's a huge achievement for for a you know it's a testament to Rafa Benitez's talent basically as a defensive coach but it's not like because we had five at the back that we didn't create the chances we didn't go for it cast your mind back to Monday at the Emirates okay and there was just there was nothing going on with the the front three Um, you couldn't see you just you just couldn't see a goal coming from anywhere whereas we'd obviously worked on that all week and you could see I saw the work that we'd put in this week in terms of our attacking play we were fluid we were we, we were on the front foot we were proactive we were playing some one touch stuff it was it was honestly you know we'll get on Almiron in a bit but like you know I really saw a marked improvement from our front and I finally you know I saw a threat from 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 us in the final third and but for you know balls not coming you know bouncing balls not coming down at the right time or it being on somebody's wrong foot rather than their more natural foot for Crystal Palace throwing bodies in the way to get shots blocked inside the box. You know, we we pretty much did everything that you would expect. That In terms of, you know, tactical setup, I don't see what more Rafa Benitez could, could do. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you can always do more. You can always improve. But, you know, had we scored one of those chances, there was no way we'd be talking about how poorly we've, we've set up or how it was all wrong or how we just didn't go. For, we we did go for them. Look at that first half again. We, we had 11 shots in that first half, four on target. Crystal Palace had one shot, none on target. Obviously, that discounts the Tompkins um, disallowed goal. But, you know... You, you look at their defend uh, their their strikers Batshuayi and Benteke. Between them, you know the, the transfer fees are probably upwards of sort of fifty sixty million. They ni- neither of them looked in danger of scoring, even when Lejeune was off. Neither of them looked in danger of scoring, and there was we we, we dominated, and it was just one of those things where, you know, you look at the you look at the Arsenal game. 
Um, I think it was uh, Paul Lyon made this point in the in the first listen. So if you're if you're a Patreon subscriber, you get a 20 minute podcast straight outside the stadium. Uh, me and Paul um, and, and 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 young Thomas was on it. Yet we're on it yesterday, and Paul made a really good point that you know, look at the pinball goal that led to Ramsey's opener at the Emirates. You know that that slicer look that just it just landed perfectly for Ramsey arriving through the legs of Dummett. And it, and it's one nil. You know, we didn't get the look of that pinball yesterday, and there was we had the we had the. What I was really pleased to see was how much we had the ball in the box yesterday, and how many attempts we had from inside the box. So, for me, attacking wise, it was a marked improvement. And let's not forget, we've just won five on the bounce at home. So something was going to give it. You know, you obviously get a lot of people being very disappointed, and yes, it's 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 a missed opportunity. But I, we play that game in the way that we did. You know, eight times out of ten, we will we will come away with a one nil, two nil, in in the in the way that we played. Um, I'm going to talk about Almiron now, um, and it's it, you know it's interesting sort of some of the mixed reaction that we've kind of seen. Um, notably, I mean, Lee Ryder gave him a five out of ten. Um, how do you lads see that? I'll come to you first, Norman. I am. Um, let, let me just quickly add a point, but based on the Almiron, sorry, yes, on, yeah, yeah. This this is about this is about another issue that I'm. Um, I think we, you know, we need to take in consideration its strength and depth. Now, Rondon was having, I suppose you could call it an off day yesterday in the sense that he was giving it everything, but his finishing just wasn't quite there. Now, we don't have the options on the bench. Muto's on the bench, but obviously, Muto for Rondon, you're, not, you're talking two completely different players and possibly an issue of trust that Rafa doesn't quite believe that Muto's, Muto's at this level yet. Um, we can't take Rondon off on 60 minutes. We can't just say, you know what, he's having an off day. Let's get him off. Let's put someone on. Hosselu clearly knew in the other mark. So if Rondon has an off day, as he did yesterday, I mean, an off day purely in terms of his finishing, um, not in terms of his movement, not in terms of the fact that he was still engineering chances from from kind of, you know, um, situations where he used his upper body strength. But his finishing wasn't quite at it and we haven't got anyone who can come off the bench and, and, and kind of replace a player who's having, a, as I say, a bad day at the office. So that's that's an issue of, of investment. But sorry, Just to on, follow up on that, Norman, yeah. It's funny that Rafa mentioned, you know, after the Emirates game, you know, when when he was asked about sort of attacking players, and he said, "Well, this is the problem that we've had for a while. If you want, a, if you want a top quality, you know, attacking player in the Premier League, you have to pay forty, fifty, sixty million pounds, and we we don't have that. We we barely want to spend twenty million pounds on any player, you know. So, is it the kind of thing that would a would a thirty five million pound striker to to sort of come on for Rondon or whatever?" Would that have made the difference yesterday? Is it is a simple? Do you think it's just a simple case of lack of investment? Um, I mean, it, it's you know that it's not it's not a black and white issue, uh, ne pun intendedly. But um, it's you know it, we it, are the fourth lowest scorers in the league as well. It, it, but it, it, it is it is it is absolutely one one of the many con- um, contributing factors to to why we are where we are. I mean, you know, we Rondon has been magnificent this season. There's no two ways about it. But he doesn't have any competition for that place in the side. The system that we play, there is no competition for him. Um, and to be honest with you, it's testament to him that despite the fact that he's an automatic selection, he still gives it everything in every single game. And he looked looked to me like he gave everything yesterday, but it just wasn't quite coming off for him. So look at Palace, for example. They bring on like a £35 million centre forward for a Batshuayi who I think cost him eight, he's cost him £8 million for like for three months this season. Um New Ben Teki is having an awful time with it at Palace, we know that. He didn't put up any trees at Liverpool. But there's a player in there, and there's a reason that clubs have paid £30 million plus from twice. You give that player to Ben, ben Teki to Rafa, for example, you have that competition between Ben Teki and Rondon for that one place in the system. 
Do I think there'd be more goals in the team? Fucking right, I do. Um, but, you know, it's all speculation, isn't it? Um, I've gone off point completely there, but I'll go up again. No, no, that's w- it's well said, it's well said. I'll, I'll just ask you again about, you know, the stick that Almiron's received sort of online. I mean, um, there's a lot of mixed reviews. Lee Ryder gave him a 5 out of 10 for... for for whatever reason, do you do you, do you agree with that assessment, or do you think that's overly harsh? What what do you think's happening there? The only opinion I can give is based on what I've seen from Almiron so far in the flesh um, at matches and on TV. And I think out of the seven or eight matches he's played, I think I might have been at six of them. Um, you know, I might have seen six of them live, uh, being at five of them, saw one of them on TV. Um, the so yesterday, I can't comment on the, the exact overall performance he gave in yesterday's match. What I did see on the highlights that I've watched, the extended highlights I've watched, is that almost every attacking move, he's in the frame. Um, the first chance we created, I think, was a case of Ron Don just using his, his pace and his endeavour to, to maybe win the ball laid off. Um, he, he's, he's still keen, his movement's still fantastic. And I, I said this on the preview, and I'm gonna go, I'll go back to it again. Like, all I can say is, this is a kid who cost 20 million from the MLS rate, 20 million. Palace's bench yesterday, as I say, Bentekye, Kuyatye, Ayu, you know, these are players who will, who will cost you, who would cost you a minimum twenty million. These are these are on the these are sitting on their bench. This is our record signing in the Premier League. I said this on the preview. Bournemouth went out and spent what was it twenty odd million Dominic Dominic Solanke. You know what I mean? This, you know, what 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 exactly are we expecting from this kid who has come from a completely different culture, landed in a new country? He's gone straight into a straight into a relegation threatened, relegation battling Premier League side. What are people expecting from him? As far as I'm concerned, so far I think he's been fucking brilliant. And I also think there's an excellent player in there. And giving him time, give him time. That will come out. He's already shown flashes of it. I mean, he was fantastic in his first couple of games. And yesterday, you know, let's give Almiron five out of ten. Well, if in that case, do we give every single player on the pitch five out of ten? Because I don't think there's any better, or any worse from what I've seen. And that's how it's been since he signed for the club. So any any criticism thrown at him that that is that harsh is, in my opinion, utterly unjustified. Sir, you were there. Um, mm. What did you What did you make of his performance in the flesh? I think this this goes back to my my original point about the way we set up. Uh, again, I, I hear what you're saying about um, we we did create you know a, a decent number of chances over the ninety minutes. You could say certainly in the first half. I thought after half time we were really poor and didn't really look like scoring. Um, neither did they, and they they got the lucky goal. But I think um, again it comes down to uh, what I was saying about about Richie and Yedlin not really getting out of their half. It meant that Almiron was coming really wide to get the ball, uh, as was Perez. We know, we've known for four years now, Perez out wide just isn't, it's no good. It doesn't work um, and he, he can't do it. He, he, he needs to be picking up the ball close to the box and having two or three touches and getting himself in with a chance or a shot. Um, if he's picking up the ball deep or out wide, he's just going to lose it and he did loads yesterday. Perez had a bad game. I think if anyone was going to get a 5 out of 10, it would have been Perez and not because he wasn't trying, it just nothing came off for him. Um, Almiron, for... for um, what I would call it is a quieter performance from him compared to some of his other games, but I don't really know what Lee Ryder's doing with a 5 out of 10. Um, he was hindered by the fact he was picking up the ball so wide. Um, again, he's too far away from Rondon and Perez for there to be much link-up play, and that's what we lacked yesterday. There wasn't really any link-up. We were pinging the ball out wide and pinging crosses in. And I, I, Again, I don't think... Um, Whilst 18 shots sounds quite good, I don't think we did enough. And I think there was long periods of that game where we showed very little creativity. And that's when you, you look into your creative players to to 
to give a bit more. Um, but I don't think the reason Almiron had a, a quiet game was his own doing. I think it was just the way we were set up. And I think he doesn't get enough support from Richie behind. Um, when Richie passes him the ball, he should be bombing on beyond him. And that rarely happened. He should be giving him another outlet. He doesn't, if, on, the, on the rare occasion that he does pass him the ball, he just kind of sits and watches him from, from his own half. That's no good when we're at home to Crystal Palace, where, where wing backs should be bombing on and, and getting forward and if Richie hasn't got the energy to do that he shouldn't be playing that position um, so I would be more critical of Perez and Richie in particular um, and I think Alex wanted us to make that point if he was coming on the podcast he did say these these are the points I'd make and he, he thought that um, we, you know we've bigged up Perez and Richie for, for weeks and then they put in a performance like that I, I, I actually agree with him on that I think they were our two least impressive players yesterday uh, I don't want to go too hard on anyone because you rightly said we've won five in a row and this was a bit of an off day and we still could have won the game but I thought that was where the problems were yesterday I, I, I must say that, that, that there might have been a tactical reason for um, for sort of Richie not breaching and I, and I totally agree that that's why Almiron was coming more wide than he has usually been because you know the, the point of a wing back is that they're supposed to be box to box really that's that's, yeah. that's kind of in the job description but I wonder whether we were cautious of the the pace of their wingers of the likes of Zaha and Schlupp and Townsend that movement that vibrancy the pace that they've got that was regardless of whether they had the ball or not that was always a threat so there's a there's a, there's, there's a chance that they either were aware of that threat and and Richie for example doesn't have the pace to get back whether that was keep that was sort of keeping him pegged, sort of no, you know, not much further forward than the halfway line yesterday, or whether that was a deliberate um, tactical instruction that has been worked out before the game by Rafa Benitez, citing that citing that threat and working out with with the assets that he has, how is he going to best nullify that? Um, I mean, at the end of the day, wing back wise, just to take it off on a bit of a tangent, wing back wise. We are playing a twelve million pound, almost thirty year old um, right winger at left back, at left wing back, yeah. and a five million pound uh, player at, at, at right back. So, I guess, know, when I you guess talk- the point Alex is sorry to interrupt. I guess the point Alex is making is why we don't we don't need to be. We're at home to Crystal Palace. I see what you're saying. We did nullify them. They didn't really have any chances, as we've said. But I would much rather have seen Matt Ritchie playing right wing against Patrick Van Arnold, I really would have fancied him to, to have to have the beating of him and created some chances. He's no good at left-back, Mark and, you know, Batshuayi and, and basically covering the, the other centre-half, but we, I think we should be able to trust a, a centre-half pairing of um, Lejeune and Lascelles, let's say, to deal with, with, with Wilfred Zaha. And if Dummett just plays left-back as a proper left-back, he can deal with the threat down the wing. I just think for a game like that, we didn't need to play the way we did, and it, it kind of hindered other players like Almiron. But the only time that we've actually gone for at the back is when we absolutely, absolutely had nothing to lose and had to just go for it against Everton in the second half. <laughs> and we were class. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we were. But that was sort of... There's very rarely that that'll happen, that that kind of turnaround will come yeah. off. And I, and, I, and I just think from Rafa's perspective, he's what about the last five games he's won at home? He's done it playing five at the back. So if you look at it like that, why would he change it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Going, just going back to Almiron, just that, that, that question of like, you know, his... I personally thought 
that yesterday he looked he looked hungry, he looked like he wanted to get on the ball, and then he, he did come inside actually a few times to sort of try and sort of make things happen. His, his blistering pace, like when he, when he kept one in from the going out from the touchline, it, it was a lost cause. But he he busted a lung to get there and he kept it in just to show his pace. There was another chance where he got past Juan Basaka, who's one of the best. But one of the best performing defenders of this Premier League and one of the highest tacklers um, as well. And he managed to get the wrong side of what is a very good player and and he used his pace to get away from him. And So that there were moments where his pace was absolutely essential to what we were trying to do in the attacking third. And I just thought, I honestly thought that was his best game since the Huddersfield uh, full debut. So to, to pick him up for a 5 out of 10 on yesterday and sort of ignore the times that maybe he's been a bit quieter in the other games previously... I just find very, very bizarre, and I would I, personally, I, I, I didn't see that. <laughs> I really didn't see that. Um, no, is, is there anything I 100% more that agree you, with you? Is there anything more anyone has to say on on Almiron and his performance and settling down? And I take I take Norman's point absolutely that you know he's come from a different continent, a different country. He's coming into a new league under new it's new new physicality. He's playing on grass turf every week. <laughs> he is um, he's adjusting his lifestyle. He's brought his, you know he's brought his girlfriend over. He has a lot, and, and and the fact, and the very very good point that you make, Norman, in terms of like you know he's twenty million. It's not Almiron's fault that we haven't spent twenty million pounds before. The, the fact that you know he's he suddenly has this burden on his shoulders simply because we've underinvested for a decade. Had had we done what most clubs do and buy maybe two or three twenty million pound players every summer, that's 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 just regular. That is normal Premier League transfer behaviour. Then he wouldn't. He would should be sharing that burden. He would have been brought in in summer anyway. He would be sharing that burden with a couple of other people, and then he could just be allowed to get on and do his stuff. Instead, the spotlight's on him. He's the record signing. Make things happen now, now, Miggy. Like you've got no t- like. He's a he's a human being. We've, we've got to we've got to remember that, Norman. I absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I, I mentioned Solanke before, who, who who's barely played and went for ridiculous money. Look at Danny Drinkwater, like Leicester to Chelsea. I mean, twenty nine million they paid for him. He's barely even played. <laughs> they, they'll go out and spend twenty nine million on a player that like in the game. So to have just because he's our most expensive player in context, he's not that expensive. So you know, if you look at it from one point of view, he's the most expensive player. Therefore, we expect miracles from him. But no, no. But in Premier League terms, in top European terms, Germany. France, you could even make an argument. Spain, Italy, twenty million is not actually that much. Um, quick question for you two, and, I, and I'm, I'm going up at a tangent here. But regarding yesterday, setting up the way that we did, say you've alluded to going to four at the back because you, you don't think you think the wing backs and the, the three centre houses are slightly too negative. But and Alex, um, Adam made a very good point. Of actually, we've won my last five games playing that system, so why change it? New. Do you think there might be an argument for starting with Kennedy ahead of Richie and Muto ahead of Perez due to the fact that you look at Palace's attacking fullbacks, the space behind them, Kennedy could not only maybe get him behind there, I know he's lacking confidence, get him behind, utilise that space and he's got the pace to get back. Whereas Muto, unlike Perez, shifts left to right, shifts left to right and that, that kind of pace again when you're looking at centre-halves like Tompkins and Kelly could have possibly opened up opportunities. I don't know, I mean, what, what, what do you think? Do you think that might have been a more positive um, tactic? Yeah, Side, uh, do you want to uh, go, mate? Uh, Yep, I, I don't think that would have been a bad idea at all. Uh, Kennedy's a funny one because I think um, he came on against Arsenal, didn't he? And he didn't really look up to much. He looks like he's probably not asked anymore. That it's uh, this season's gone from now. So maybe or maybe not. I, I don't, um, what I would say is that we've got Mudo there. Um, we've got six games left now, is it? Um, 
and we're pretty much safe. Why not start playing around with the team? Yes, you, you can stick with the formation that's working. We've won five games, yes, but, you know... People have started to work us out a bit, and I think we do need to look at uh, other options in terms of keeping it fresh, rotating the team, and as you say, see what Muto can do. Why not give him a couple of runs, a couple more games in the team, and see what that produces? Richie, let's play him right wing or, or stop playing him left back. <laughs> yeah, so yes, I would I would like to see something like that. Um, certainly, I think we should have done more to get at their fullbacks. Yes, Juan Basak is a, looking like a decent player, but we didn't really give him anything to think about. Um, Almiron was running at him and, and he, he had a bit of joy against them but you know Van Arnold had the easiest game of his life because he had maybe two runs from, from Yedlin to deal with and that was about it um, so yes another another quick player in there like Muto might have just given them a bit more to think about and I think we would have been far more creative had we had we done something like that or possibly even changed it around a bit earlier substitution wise Well I think Kennedy I don't even think he made the bench yesterday did he? No No he did not No yeah, um, and the Muto thing. Rafa sort of come out and said, you know, at the start of the season, he, he you know, he was he was still getting used to tactic. Essentially, it was sort of, sort of like veiled description of saying, you know, Muto doesn't play how I want him to play in my system yet. That's why he hasn't sort of been given the opportunities. But like, you know, for me, I, he's a great impact player, and he he can cause trouble. Like we we saw. We saw his quality at Old Trafford, for example, and we just haven't seen an, we haven't seen enough of that. Um, you you kind of think that, that, that you know the reason he's not getting a start is because he would play either instead of Perez or Almiron, but I, I think both of them are, are tactically more astute and, and, and follow out Rafa's instructions better. This is why Perez gets a game every single week because he does exactly, most of the time, he does exactly what Rafa Benitez wants him to do and... It's a, as one of you has mentioned, it's about trust, and this is why this is why Rafa puts as faith in Dummett because Dummett goes out and does exactly what he what he doesn't he rarely excels Dummett, but he does absolutely everything that Rafa Benitez wants him to do, and that's a big thing. It's why Hayden is still in the team, for example. Um, I mean, talking about Dummett and and, and sort of the defence, let's talk about the Lejeune injury. It's. I'm absolutely devastated for him. You know, this this would be his his, his third major um, injury since sort of arriving 18 months ago. I mean, I I was right next to this challenge um, or this this sort of incident, and it was very innocuous. There was there was no there was no you know there's no foul play from from Andros Townsend. Um, he was he, Andros Townsend had his, you know was in front. Lejeune sort of tackled around the like kind of a, you know around the side and got a got a toe in and then tried to move his body in front of Townsend, and that sort of quick movement just jarred his knee and he went down and he before he even hit the deck he was signalling for a substitution and then he started screaming and it was, it was I was right in front of him it was, it was awful to watch I'm absolutely devastated for him because as, as Norman's mentioned you know he's just he's one of our best players and I certainly think he's our best defender and that's it's really really devastating to see and I'm, I'm gutted for him on a personal level because it's just he, he deserves better than that he's been through some horrendous uh, layoffs and hopefully this one hopefully he can sort of beat the you know beat the um, the expected uh, recovery time again to get back in time for the new season but it doesn't look like we'll see him again uh, this season do we have I'll, I'll come to you. Um, I'll come to you, Norman. Do we? Do you think we have the um, adequate backup? Given that we we obviously won't have another kind of ball playing defender like Lejeune, 
are we are, are we covered for the end of the season? How much is this going to affect our shape and the way that we are able to play? I think um, I think Shea, you can categorise him um, alongside Lejeune in in the sense of his his ball playing um, skills. I think Shea is you know he's got a fantastic range of passing um, and and he can he can run forward and create things from the back. The difference is that Lejeune's just a way better defender. Um, Lejeune really gives away silly fouls. I mean, the, the penalty against West Ham, yes, but that was more of the exception as opposed to the rule, whereas Shea's always got a yellow card in him um, or, a, you know, or a foul in a dangerous position. Um, he's just not, just not as good a defender. Ball player-wise, I think he's, he's probably on a par with him. He's fantastic. Um, and he actually also offers more of a goal threat than Lejeune. But if we're going to persist with the um, three-at-the-back tactic, then the only way I think it could work is if Shelby comes back in the side because when you've got Lejeune and Shea in there, you've got these two players who, from deep positions, can create... Now, take one of those out and you're left with just Shea and you've got two centre-halves who are ultimately just doing the, uh, the donkey work. We, do, we, don't, we don't necessarily need two centre-halves to do that. Um, so, I, if we're playing Fernandes, Lascelles and Shea, then, in my opinion, Shelby absolutely must come back into the side or we go back to four at the back, which, given that this season has been overwhelmingly the three at the back, I, do, I, don't, see, I don't see that changing um, against Leicester on Friday. So, I'd like to see, I would like to see Shelby back on Friday. How do you see it, Sai? Yeah, agreed. I don't. I, we, we can't really persist with three at the back if if, if two of them aren't Shane Lejeune. It didn't work at Arsenal. I, th- I mean, Dummett, we've, we've said for years he's a centre half and maybe he is capable of playing a centre half, but he can't be part of a three at the back. We just we just won't be able to move the ball out of defence quick enough and would absolutely have to get Shelby in the team. I 100% agree with that, Norman. Um, for me, it's, it's, it's the absolute opportunity to try two centre halves. Share in Lascelles, played dumb at left back. Yedlin is struggling, but he's we're only right back. I suppose Mankio, if he's if he's there, he was on the bench yesterday. Mankio actually, so he's always an option just to kind of um, use that competition for places and maybe give Yedlin a bit of a kick up the arse to show he's, he's he can be dropped because there is still a player there who can play instead of him. Um, so yes, I I I bit bit bored of watching as pass the ball around the back four back five and not really getting anywhere so for me it's a it's an opportunity um that's the, my positive spin on the devastating loss of Lejeune because <laughs> it is it um, is a nightmare he's been our best player and yeah I'm sad really sad to see he's going to miss another chunk of the season and, and and to sort of you know just continue the one of the themes of this podcast so far you know at that point when Lejeune had to come off and the way the game was set do you think that we shouldn't have brought Dummett on? I mean, I I personally believe that it was the right call to make because it's it's one of those, isn't it? That we, if if we were to change shape at that point, and then they'd gone up and won one nil as they did, everyone would be blaming the manager to say, "Well, why did you change it when we were completely dominating that game?" So it, it's 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 one of those I think which is very very easy in hindsight to to sort of um, scrutinise massively, but let's scrutinise anyway. Do you believe, I'll start with you, Si, do you believe that Dummett was the right sub to make or do you think he should have gone? It sounds, I think I know what your answer is going to be, but if you want to clarify who you think or what you think should have happened in that substitution. Um, I mean, the cloud was clambering for Shelby at that point. It might have been might have been the better option, in my opinion. Uh, Dummett, I just don't think, he's, 
the reason Paul Dummett, just like Perez, the reason Paul Dummett gets games is because he does exactly what he's told. And I'm no doubt he was put on with specific instructions. He didn't have a bad game when he came on. He didn't really have much to do. Um, but it didn't add anything to it. You know, it was 65 minutes had gone. We'd really not come out in the second half and look like creating any chances. Lejeune had our only chance up to that point from a from a corner, didn't he? He had a decent header. Um, so it looked like we needed a bit more of a positive change. Um so yes, but I think from Rafa's point of view, he probably doesn't want to change the formation that early in the game because if you're taking Lejeune off and having to you know put in a Shelby on or something, you've suddenly got to change the whole shape of the team. And we know Rafa doesn't really like to do that unless it's absolutely necessary. So I can understand why he waited another another ten minutes. Uh, I don't know. Actually, I, 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 I'm I'm a bit unhappy with with the way he waited. So Shelby should have came on a bit earlier. I thought Shelby had a shocking game actually when he came on. Nothing came off him. He looked unfit, but. He still was there making stuff happen, um, which before that hadn't really been the case. So it was a negative substitution at 65 minutes when the second half was kind of getting away from us. Again, I'm not saying Palace were on top or anything, but we were really lacking ideas at that point and Paul Dummett isn't really going to change that. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, and I, I agree with you on Shelby, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge advocate of John Joe Shelby and what he can bring to this team. But I think what we saw yesterday was, was what happens when a player just hasn't had hasn't played 90 minutes in in months i mean he just 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 rusty you could see he, yeah. you'd see his first few attempts at long balls were were poor but then he he, he sort of broke the you know broke the, uh, the the floodgates open kind of thing when he um he managed to you know spray one out to yedlin and he sort of you thought right he's got his eye in now but again it was it was not enough time to you know he got he got a he got like ten minutes didn't he at the end of the Watford game and he lost his man and we they equalised and he's he hasn't had a great game coming on again this time I mean like I say I, I do think he brings a lot and I think it's 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 sort of I don't know I think it'd be um, I think it'd be a, an overreaction to suggest that he can't that he's done and finished I think he he has so much to bring and he's so unique as a player but. I mean, with him not starting yesterday, if he was fully fit, and only Kia or Shelby would have started yesterday, if Diarmi uh, would have started, but if you know Diarmi was injured, which allowed the, the decision to be made of uh, Kia or Shelby, is are we looking at Shelby now being fifth choice midfielder, Norman? I mean, there's every you know there's every reason you may be right there. Um, I, I think uh, you know. Fifth choice sounds. It sounds like he's come. He's you know he's he's going to be off pre season. I mean I don't think actually I don't think any of us would be surprised if he did leave pre season. Um, but I think you know long staff's unavailable. Um, otherwise he may well have been in instead of Diomi or you know Diomi gets injured. Long staff comes in for him. Um, and then you've got Key and Shelby. And I suppose if you're looking for a direct replacement with Diomi, neither of those fit the profile. But Key's probably slightly more like Diomi in the sense that. Physically, he can kind of offer the same, you know, the the same um, benefits. He's 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 powerful. He gets stuck into tackles, whereas Shelby doesn't really do that. Key's slightly more disciplined in the tackle as well, um, better in the air, you know. So there there are more similarities, let's say, between Key and Diarmia than there are between Shelby and Diarmia, and then that's maybe why it played out the way that it did. Um, but I mean, you know, what would I like to see Shelby start against Leicester? Yes, he had one of his best games for us last season against Leicester. He was absolutely phenomenal. Um, on the substitution yesterday, now again, you know, I might be talking complete championship manager fantasy here, but <laughs> with Lejeune going off, you know, and if we were going to stick to that formation, might it have been a possibility 
to see Hayden drop back into centre-half, bring on Shelby and let him kind of sit deeper, given that we've got the pace of Almiron and Yedlin as well. So Shelby, you're seeing these long balls were off yesterday. If he was slightly deeper yesterday, those long balls may have just been that little bit better. I don't know. I mean, again, I might be talking complete fantasy, but no, is it an argument? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a really good idea. It's a really good point. And it's, you know, it wouldn't have been the first time that Hayden's actually dropped back into centre-back because he has played there before when, when required. But, but I Palace mean, weren't offering anything worthy either at that point. So it would, it would, I don't think having Shelby in that kind of more withdrawn role with Hayden going at the back, I don't think it would have made any difference to Palace's attacking um, desire. There was just no attacking desire from them whatsoever. Absolutely. And, and a, a word on Hayden as well. I must say that I thought he was very, particularly that first half, I thought he absolutely won that, that midfield battle. He was... He was everywhere. He was composed. He was tidy. He was intelligent, um, and he was, you know, he was energetic. And, I, and I, you know, we we're seeing it every week, but it's getting increasingly going to be very, very sad when he when he. It's more than likely he's going to move on this summer because of his personal situation. But my God, we're really seeing the player that Rafa thought he was getting when he first bought him for the for the championship season. And you know, as we've said before, we we, we can't expect. To be selling him for less than fifteen million, the way that he's um, developed and flourished over the last few months. So, I just a word on Hayden. I just, I just wanted to say that I thought he was particularly excellent uh, yesterday, and probably our, you know, alongside Almiron, our probably our best player in the, in the certainly in the first half anyway. Um, you know, looking at the penalty in the incident. Um, Yedlin seems to, I mean, Rafa seemed to be absolutely furious with him and sort of rightly so. I mean, do you think that, do, do you agree with that assessment? You, you know, is he a weak link? I mean, we've talked a bit about it, but, you know, what what, what do you think he means by, he said he was really unhappy with what we did at, at, at 1-0, Rafa Benitez. That's what he sort of said after the game. What do you, what do you interpret by that, Simon? Well, we didn't react well to the goal, did we? I mean, we basically didn't have a sh- chance afterwards. We, we didn't. That's where earlier in the season you saw a bit of fight from us and a bit of uh, backs against the wall. We'll try and try and get something out of this game, and, and we, we saw it at Bournemouth, um, where we just didn't want to let it go. Um, I thought yesterday looked like uh, we were sort of treating the game like it didn't really matter. There wasn't that same kind of absolute passion and fight from the team. Now maybe that's what he's getting at. We weren't. The, the reason we've done so well with the squad we've got, um, especially with injuries and stuff, is that you know there's there's a work rate there that's, that's almost unrivaled by some of our some of our um, you know equal um, equivalents in, in the league. Um, I think we always end up playing better than some of our parts because of that kind of extra level that we seem to be able to go to, and that didn't happen yesterday at any point. We looked a bit leisurely. We looked like. We almost looked like we expected just to beat them, and we we didn't. We, we gave them too much, um, too much time, and we weren't in their faces. And I, I think that's what he's getting at. And yes, I would be furious with with Yedlin. It was a fucking stupid tackle. There was about three other Newcastle defenders in the box. There's just no need to make it whatsoever. And we, whilst we weren't playing well in the second half, we were in, under no danger, and it just we just gave the game away. A point there still wouldn't have been a bad result. And he's it, he's just thrown the game away. So I can understand why he was furious, and I can also understand his point in that we just didn't react at all. It didn't look like we were that arsed. Um, it was a bit disappointing to see how poorly we responded to the goal. I, I can't really disagree with you there in terms of the reaction. You're right. We, there wasn't a sort of, um, you know, the the urgency that we saw in, in the Everton game, for example, of, of just pushing forward. And it, again, there's, the momentum seemed to be sapped from us after the Lejeune injury. And then again, the penalty just seemed to be an absolute men, mental sucker punch. So it's, it, I, I think... 
mentality. Maybe it was just, like I say, five home straight wins. Maybe it was just a sort of bridge too far in this particular instance. But like in isolation, yeah, we we want to be we want to be testing them more and, and sort of be coming at them like we did in the first half. On 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 Yedlin, I'd like to think a bit more sort of profoundly about it. That the fact that he's a that he's, he's a five million pound defender very raw around the edges, clearly was like a sort of right winger when he was a kid and has been converted to a, a, a right back. So he's, he's, he was never a natural defender. But, you know, what what I can say about Yedlin, and yes, he made an error and, and fair play to him, he came out and he fronted up immediately and, you know, he, he, he'll he know he's made a mistake. He won't need anybody telling him that. But, but Yedlin now, for all his flaws, and he does have them, of course he does because he's a limited player, but that's what happens when you buy players for five million pounds. You, you you buy them to hopefully nurture some kind of potential out of them. But I believe that DeAndre Yedlin now is worth far more than the five million pounds that we played, and he is he has improved vastly under Rafa Benitez. And you know, it, it comes back to lack of investment. If if we haven't, you've got Manquillo, who's the only real danger to his spot, which isn't really a threat at all, in in, in my personal opinion. So. It's 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 like Norman's point about Rondon earlier. When you haven't got somebody else to sort of push, and if you're having an off day or nobody to, to sort of come in and replace you, who's actually going to have some impact, then th- this kind of stuff's going to happen. This is what happens with underinvestment. This is what happens when you don't put money into a squad and you neglect the the the, the development of the potential of the squad. Like I think Rafa Benitez is pretty much getting absolutely everything that he can out of DeAndre Yedlin, and if that's not good enough. I don't think that's Yedlin's fault, and I don't think that's Rafa Benitez's fault. I think he's doing as much as he can. What's your view on it, Norman? I tend to agree with you. In fact, I agree with you wholeheartedly. What you've just said, the um, the the fact that he's, you know, as you say, the fact that he's a five million pound player who was basically third or fourth choice at Spurs, um, went and played a full season in a relegated Sun and a Sun inside that. Sorry, nearly got relegated. Oh, um, wishful thinking there. Um, and, <laughs> you know, we, we, the, the investment side of it. I mean, it's not even. It's not even the fact that we, you know. We haven't invested in competition for Yedlin. So, you know, Mankiw is there, like you say. But even if Yedlin's suspended for three games, Mankiw plays for those three games, will win those three games. Yedlin probably still knows that in the fourth game when he's due back from suspension, he's going to get his place back, regardless of how well Mankiw may or may not have played. Um, and the other thing, it just, it, it's a deeper issue. It's a structural issue in the sense that we haven't invested in the academy since Mike Ashley took over. So we haven't even got anyone coming through. Look at Palace's right back yesterday. That's a product of the youth system, Wan Basaka. We we don't even have that. We don't even have anyone in the academy who's been got Jamie, We've got Jamie Sterry, you know, with the greatest who's on respect. Crew, who can't? Who sits on the bench at Crew? You know, I mean. So ultimately, it's you know this is what happens. We've got a, we've got a right back there who's more or less an automatic choice. He cost five million from Spurs. He was bored for the championship. He's going to make mistakes. He made a mistake yesterday, um, and that's it. I can't I can't be too harsh, and I can't. In fact, I can't even I can't even criticise him. It's that is just what it is. It is what it is. It, it is, is what, what it is. is. So, I mean, as it stands, as at the time of recording, we're seven. We're still seven points clear of uh, Cardiff City in the relegation zone. They have tough away matches coming up: away to Burnley and then away to Brighton. Which you know, particularly that Burnley game, Burnley are going to be fighting for their lives, and that is, I mean, that's going to be a hell of a game to watch. It might be scrappy as out, but it'll be an, it'll be a very entertainment entertaining watch, I imagine. But you know. Beyond that, Cardiff have some very, very tricky, some further tricky fixtures as well in, in in terms of sort of playing teams with a lot more quality as well. Should looking at the relegation picture now, Sai, we've got we've got obviously Leicester on Friday. Um, 
should should we be should we still be worried or should we still be looking over our shoulders um and you know what what changes would you like to see Rafa make for the Friday game at the King Power well, to be honest, Leicester are in really good form, um, especially at home. And Jamie Vardy's like rediscovered um, is is kind of he's in a bit of a hot streak again. So it's not it's not a good time to play Leicester. Um, therefore, I'd probably wouldn't be. Whilst earlier on I said I'd like to see him start changing things up a bit, this probably isn't the appropriate game for it. Um, we're going to struggle without Lejeune, um, so I'd be inclined to to keep it the same and put Fernandez back in as instead of uh, Lejeune. <coughs> I don't think Dummett is is quite good enough to play as part of a back three. Um, I mean, realistically, do you expect? Would you expect Rafa to pick Fernandez over Dummett? It's a tough one because we know he likes Dummett, and we know that if he gives Dummett instructions, he'll follow it. But I think for for all his improvements over the last few years, he still is just that basic Paul Dummett player without any real like. Bells and whistles. You'll do a you'll do a really basic job. Um, I, I think, think Dumut provides a bit of balance as well with the left foot and the sh- share with the right foot. So the, the, that might play into it. Uh, you know, yes. three right footers along the back. I don't know, but yeah. Sorry, continue. Uh, I, th- I do think Yedlin is starting to be identified as a, as a weak link. Um, I'm not saying that's his fault, and I don't really want to get at him personally. But um, teams are starting to attack us down them down them wings because it's quite easy to get in behind Richie, and it's quite. Easy to get past Yedlin because he's not that good at defending. I think you're right. He's a he's more of an attacking player. And we don't get enough of that attacking side of him currently, so he's not much use to us. Um, for Leicester, when we're not going to have <laughs> any of the ball, I think we're going to have some record low possession in this game. Um, do you really need Yedlin in the side? I don't know. It might be a Mankio one, um, just because he he's a bit more accomplished in terms of his defensive ability and a little bit more comfortable on the ball. And, and whilst he he won't really offer much going forward, he's he's um. It's a possible, possible opportunity to recall him. Alternatively, you could play dumb at left wing back and play Richie on the right, but we know that wouldn't happen, so it's probably not worth talking about. Um, the only other thing is 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 who starts in midfield. I assume Diarmi, if he was injured for this one, wouldn't be fit by Friday. But you never know. Um, I thought Key played all right, but if if Shelby's fit enough to play, give give him a game because we're not going to have much. Um, we're not going to have much joy at Leicester. We're not going to have much of the ball, so we're going to have to be really, really productive with it. Um, so that means someone like Shelby spraying the ball to Almiron, spraying the ball to Perez, and, and is trying to catch them on the break. And hopefully, we get um, we get the the Rondon back that we've had for for months and months, um, and he doesn't have another off day because I, I thought he was still <laughs> our biggest threat yesterday without without getting uh, his goal. We, but we're going to need a big performance from him to get into now this one. And and in terms of the relegation picture, you know, I mean, I mean, are we realistically going to lose every game between now and the end of the season? I mean, personally, I don't think so. I think we'll pick up points against Southampton and Fulham, and I think it'll all be fine and all right. What? How? How do you see into the relegation picture sort of unfolding in that respect? It's, it's- it's a tough one because this time last season we lost these four games. We literally lost the the four games before the last one against Chelsea. So it is possible that we could lose all those football matches. But even then, Cardiff would have to win at least three of theirs, which is which is a massive ask. Um, they haven't got that you know a great um, set of fixtures. They, they might pick up some points, but for a team that's been in the bottom three pretty much, you know the majority of the season to suddenly win three games and it does happen in the Premier League at this time of year teams go on a little bit of a run but I think we've got enough of a safety net 
And to be honest, um, I'd even say the likes of Brighton and Southampton don't... Well, maybe Southampton have turned it around a little bit, but Brighton still don't look very good. They, they could easily find themselves sucked into it. So I think we've got enough breathing space. What disappoints me now is that we are still looking over our shoulder instead of maybe looking above us. Um, it's starting to look like we're going to finish about where we are in 15th. But for me, I think we'll pick up enough points. We need a couple of draws is probably enough and we'll, I don't think we'll lose every game Thanks Si how do you see it Norman any changes for Friday and the, the relegation picture um, in, is, a, is a sort of a wider threat Unfortunately, I don't um, believe that any changes we make for Friday are going to make much of a difference. I think, I think, I mean, I'm going to the match, but I think we're going to lose. I think um, Leicester are just too hot at the moment. Um, Leicester are just, um, I just think Leicester are just too hot at the minute. I don't think any any changes that we necessarily make are, are going to make um, make a, a huge difference. Um, you know, the, their players, Demari Gray, Vardy, Madison, um, you know, Chilwell. Uh, these are all really good players coming in a really good form. They're under a new manager. They've got the kind of bit between their teeth. They want to finish the season as high as they possibly can, as high as seventh, which would be a real achievement for them. Um, I just think it's going to be a, a, a kind of bridge too far for us on on Friday. Um, and also regarding Yedlin, one of the reasons I would keep Yedlin in against them possibly is because yes, they're going to have the vast majority of the ball. Yedlin's going to be camped in our half um, most of the match. But any kind of slight, you know slight sniff of an attack we have, you're going to be looking at possibly someone like Chilwell who really likes to push forward, possibly leaving a bit of space in behind him. So you maybe bring Shelby into that side. You've got the pace of Yedlin. There might be the possibility of something happening there. I mean, it's a slim possibility, but in terms of any kind of goal threat, I do think against a side that's going to have the ball so much that we, we do kind of probably need to have the pace in the side. Um, but as I say, regardless, do I see us getting anything? No. For the rest of the season, now... I hadn't really thought about this much. I, I, I was just under the assumption that we're safe until our, um, until the schedule came with a question on. And then I thought, well, you know what? Actually, I'll just let me have a little look at the table and look at Cardiff. Southampton and Brighton win a game in hand. They go above us. We're fourth bottom, right? That's that's the fact. That's fact. We're fourth bottom. Um, yes, we're seven points out of Cardiff. Yes, we've got a vastly superior goal difference. Yes, you're looking at Cardiff winning three matches to get above it. You know, two wins and a draw for them and they're still below on goal difference um, because they're going to have two games in hand on us after Friday night's match. So if we've lost on Friday... They're seven points behind us with two games in hand. Now, Cardiff winning four out of six, yes, it's a big ask. But then look at that fixtures. Burnley away. Burnley have been on a good run recently, right? If they beat Cardiff, that's three wins off the bounce. Are they capable of doing it? Yes. Would it be a massive surprise if Cardiff got something? No, it wouldn't. Now, they've got Brighton away. Brighton are panicking at the moment. Could Cardiff get something at Brighton? Aye, they could get something at Brighton. Fulham. Fulham have got nothing to play for. Palace. Palace are going to be on the beach by the time Cardiff play them. So, obviously... There's a little tiny part of us that is a little bit concerned. You know, funnier things have happened. Of course, pragmatically, we're going to get four points between now and the end of the season, and we're going to we're going to stay up comfortably. But is there a danger? Is there still a threat? I is. Am I a little bit concerned? Of course, I am, and I won't be not concerned, unconcerned, even you might say, um, until uh, we've got the points on the board, until it's mathematically assured that we are safe. Right now, I'm a little bit concerned because yesterday was a fucking massive opportunity. And unfortunately, we didn't take it. So I, I, I am a little bit scared. Yeah, that's fair enough. And it's sort of, and I think Rafa will will be pushing hard until it is mathematically secure as well. And I think, um, I think you'll know it'll be a big ask going down to the King Power. Um, but I think, you know, we're once again looking at a home fixture against Southampton to help sort of nail survival. Um, as we did last year, we ruled over, we ruled them over after an hour's play. It was with three 0 up. It was we coasted the victory that day. I, I don't necessarily think 
we don't seem to be capable of, of 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 that kind of performance as it stands. And you know, Southampton have been resurgent under Hasenhutl's, um too. So it it's 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 not in the bag, absolutely. But I I I, I, I would say I think draw here and there, maybe nick a last win either against Southampton or Fulham, and I think we'll be I, I, I think we'll be all right. And I think. Beyond Cardiff coming back, we still need the teams below us to 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 you know to win points as well. Maybe a draw against Burnley and Cardiff would help take points away from both of them, which would you know improve our our you know our probability of survival massively. So you know it's going to be a very very interesting running. Um, well, I think I'll, I'll I think we'll end the pod there. Uh, thank you very much, lads. To, thanks to Norman Riley and Cy Campbell. I've been your host, Adam Widrington. Please check us out on Patreon. That's Patreon with an e o dot com forward slash tf podcast to get subscribed to all of our exclusive Patreon content behind the paywall. It's about six fifty a month. You'll get bags of NUFC exclusive content that you won't get anywhere else. We're at the front line of every single Premier League game and beyond. So please do check us out if you've enjoyed this podcast. Thanks again to our sponsors, Fansbet as well. Uh, so do check them out at Fansbet on Twitter and. Brilliant. We'll um, we'll see you after the Leicester game. Cheers, everyone. Bye-bye. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.